Hey everybody, welcome to Kingdom of Honor. I am your host, Sandman Chain Sabunia, along with my good buddy, Jeff. Hello. And, to, and uh, today we're going to be talking about a very interesting wrestling show from the last, uh, I don't know, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. Uh, the weekend, weekend of WrestleMania, this is Indie Mania 2, which is a compilation of matches uh, curated by Russell Talk from 13 different wrestling organizations across the across the uh, the world. And uh, Is it really across the world? Because I know Australia was part of it, um, and then it was pretty much UK, and then I think one or two promotions from the US. Otherwise, it was pretty much all UK stuff. I suppose, but I mean, that's still, you know, Australia to the United States is kind of across the world. Fair enough. But, and, and you know what, you know, it's, it's amazing that on a show featuring uh, Pete Dunn versus Will Ospreay, and also having, you know, one of our, your and my favorites in Sammy Callahan, neither of those matches hit my top two. See, now, I might be a little bit, I, yeah, maybe on the night. I think the Bucks Mega oh Kenny Omega match was a lot more interesting. I love the fact that we saw a um Meltzer driver off the turnbuckle and not only off the um side of the ropes. And there was another match that might surprise you that I really enjoyed up until the overbooked ending. Um but all in all, this was I would not have expected Will Ospreay and Pete Dunne to not be better than it was, and anything with Sammy Callahan and ACH versus each other, I would have thought would have been amazing. So you're right. You're right. Both those two were not my favorites. Um, I did like the fact that Sammy was a wrestler and not the hardcore whatever he's become. Um, That was interesting, but the match itself was way too long way too convoluted, um, kind of told the same story over and over again, where there was no really twists or turns to the story. It was just the same story from start to finish. It just took 22 minutes to complete. Yeah, it was not, it was nothing special. And, you know, and, and as, as you know, the, our longtime listeners, well, our longtime listener, maybe, well, we'll know. Um, hey, we have three of them. <laughs> when, when you know when matches feature feature, feature uh, finisher kickouts in order to build drama and they're not logical, they lose me, and that's what happened in this one. Yeah, which was sad. Like I said, it was it was a great it was a great thing seeing Sammy wrestle. I haven't seen Sammy actually wrestle since NXT, so it was a great thing to actually see him in a wrestling match. I just got so sick of the finisher kickouts towards the end of it that I couldn't even really stomach the finish. No, and and the the other thing that really got to me, and and I, and it, you know, kind of got me out of the match, you know. But then I got back into it before the finisher's kickout started getting me out of it. Was the was the whole like slap fight in the middle of the you know the beginning of the match? You know, I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind that, I, I but guess, we, guess, we've seen it done just, better. Seen it done better, and it's become, it's become such a trope over the years that I just, I'm I'm just over it. You know, I mean, I'm I'm over two guys just not actually, you know, because it, you know the idea of pro wrestling is to make it look like an actual fight, right? <coughs> Excuse me, to make it look like you're hurting your opponent while you're actually protecting him, <coughs> and 
to me, in an actual fight, nobody's going to stand there and say, okay, hit me as hard as you can. Now you hit me as hard. Now, now I'll hit you as hard as I can. And then go back and forth like that. I think the only time I've ever really seen it where I've been enthralled by it, where I've cringed, I've, you know, I've really felt every blow was the one we just saw with Dragon Lee and uh, Takahashi. Um, I think for me it was also, you know, there was, we also had some great spots with Shibata and Ishii doing it too. But they never did it to start a match. It, that no, was always a, match, a that's always a mid match thing for them. With um, this one with Sammy and ACH, it was kind of a start. You know, they'd gotten a couple moves in, and then that was a start. And with Dragon Lee and Takahashi, that was definitely the start of their match. True. Yeah. You know, and that, we're, was, we're, and that was awesome. You're right. Every time we get it with Shibata. Uh, in Ishii, it's always been kind of mid-match, you kick me, I'll kick you type thing. Mm-hmm. It's never really started the match like these guys have. And maybe my, maybe my favorite with, with Shibata and Ishii was, the, was when they traded suplexes. So. Yeah, that was good. Those two had uh, such great chemistry. <laughs> I mean, all in all, all in all, I thought night one was good. I really liked the Bucks match, um, the Bucks and Omega I really like that match. Yeah. Um, I, but after that match, it kind of got somewhat repetitive. And especially those last three matches were, you know, and I know I recognized a couple of the names from my indie stuff and maybe hardcore indie fans will know these people. I just don't know why they didn't do like they did with night one, like night one, that Osprey match to end it against, um, uh, I can't remember. Dowie James yep. was fantastic. was a great way to end the night. This one, I felt like the last three matches, the last two matches, especially were just terrible. There was nothing I got. I, I couldn't get into either one of them. I know people really liked that, lady uh, announcer in the final match i just couldn't get into her the match before that was too much screaming by one guy and too much soft talking by the other guy and then the wrestling itself was not up to par and as much as i love them the the third to last match with um uh the harlem globetrotter guy uh and i can't Harlem bravado i remember yeah forget trying to find a match results thing or a match card thing i can't find it anywhere so i'm not going to remember a lot of the names but harlem bravado and whoever that other guy was the match was amazing i was really really into that match until that overbooked finished with 14 people coming down to rescue people and things happening and stuff going on it just it was too much but the match leading up to that i thought was brilliant yeah, see, I really liked the women's match to end it. I'm not sure I would have, I would have picked it as the final match, but I did, I did really enjoy that. What was the next? And, what was the second to last match? <clears throat> Honestly, at this point, I cannot remember. Okay. But I do, I do know that the last after the Sammy ACH stuff, I was like done. I, I, I couldn't get into a single match after that. I know right after the Sammy ACH stuff, there was that Harlem Bravado match. Which I thought was great, but the ending was so bad that I was just done with it. And then the last two matches, I couldn't get into at all. And it really saddened me. 
Um, yeah, see, and I, and I kind of had the opposite problem, I think. Like, the, like the first night, I, I watched this on Friday night, and um, I was just exhausted after a long work week. And so, like, and so like even the opening match, like Will Osprey versus Pete Dunne, I just dozed off, like, right during it. Which I, I love <laughs> the fact that you responded to me three days later on that. <laughs> Which I which I like. Well, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure what he's talking about. I will have to catch up. So, um, I was always, I was always planning to rewatch it. I just didn't have I just didn't have a chance until I last just, night. But. I just really love the fact that it took you that long to respond to me, and I was like, oh, he hasn't watched it yet. Whoops. <laughs> but um, that, yeah, so that just, Osprey Dunn match, you know, as long as you brought that up, I do want to say it's, you know, I've had a fascination with Marty's girl. I it's he to me is one of the better. Me. Yeah, he to me is one of the better performers out there. I've never not been entertained by one of his matches. And it it's fun to watch and we saw it a couple times during Indie Mania and we saw it, you know, we've seen it in other matches too where people like to show homage to Marty Skrull. Um, you know with the chicken wing and the, you know, 52 fake out and the finger breaks and all that stuff. It, it was just it, to me that was a fun spot to see in this where when you look at in, uh, indie wrestling or wrestling in general in Europe that Marty has become such a well-known product that his stuff is just paid homage to throughout matches. My dog is now pissed off at me. <laughs> Why? Because I mentioned Marty Skrull? No, did you hear that squeaking going on in the background? Yeah. She's playing with a squeaky ball, and I, and I threw it for her, but it bounced into the kitchen where she can't get to it. <laughs> oh, she's a bad dog now. She's just staring like, like Dad, why am I in jail? <laughs> That's funny. My kid is just staring at Minecraft, so I can't relate to that. No, I, Minecraft is one of those games that just I, I find completely mind-numbing. I do, too, but you know what? It helps his little mind. He creates things. He has fun. He keeps me. He keeps out of my hair for a while, so I'm okay with it. If it was a mindless shooter like Call of Call of Duty, I'd have issues with it. But he's this kid's building houses, and right now he's tunneling out behind, underneath the ground to build a cave. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, you know, honestly, like like rewatching that Osprey versus Dunn match, um, I was I was set, I was set, sat there watching and was enjoying like every moment of it. Like it was so right. well crafted. There was so there was such good humor in there. It was like the perfect opening match. You know, it's, it's like these two guys could open any wrestling show for me, or like, or they, this this could be like the like the uh, like the template for an opening match for a wrestling show. Well, get and the fun- get, move, get everybody fired up, get everybody ready yep. to go. And the perfect, funny thing about them, to, it was a perfect choice to come in this compilation to have to start off this sh- the show. I thought the funny thing about those two is I could see those two closing the match too. Well, you know, closing closing at night. So it's like they're the perfect with Osprey and Dunn. I could watch the two at any point during a uh, during a pay per view. They could get me fired up for it. They could send me home happy for it. They get me back into it in the middle of a in the middle of a show. Those two could go on at any time, anywhere, and completely be the steal of the night. Well, Osprey's what four guys we've seen close a show. One of four crews was Junior Hagu was the closer show in New Japan, right? It was him against Robbie Eagles, and then there was another. And there was another one like not far before that, like uh, that, that closed the show. But I mean, there's, it's very rare that a Junior Heavyweight match closes a show in New Japan. 
right. or anywhere really. But but Osprey has been in one of those two times, and he's so good at it, so so good at it that he is. You know, and I put in my description that we're talking about this and the fact that we didn't get to wrestlers of the year last uh, last week um, because of my whole Benoit uh, diatribe. But um, you know, we'll probably talk about it later. But I just I I can't picture anybody out there better than Osprey right now. No, there isn't. This and this had to take place in the last. I didn't see the date on this, but it had to take place in the last couple of years because they did mention that Pete Dunne was the NXT. Yeah, WWE UK champion. Yep. During this match. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I want to say because it was look on um, this match years old. It wasn't. It wasn't 2019. It might have been 18, mm-hmm. but it was definitely when both these guys were at kind of the that tipping point where they both became because they both kind of became the best in the world in 2019, and this right at the cusp of that. Because they were both so good at storytelling, they were both so good at what they mean that it's hard to imagine that they weren't right on that cusp of being the best wrestlers in the world. I mean, the only thing that I kind of found interesting was that they didn't call Chikinanoskick The one guy called it like a uh, tombstone snake eyes combination. Yeah, I had some issues with the announcing throughout the throughout the shows. So, um, but especially night two. Well, um, no, I, I, I'm not saying that there's a problem with the announcing. I was just wondering if they, this if this happened like right before Osprey hit it, his moves were called. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, but the cheeky Nando's kick has been called the cheeky Nando's kick for almost five years now. Okay, I didn't realize that. You know, I mean, and, and they called it that in the beginning of uh, in New Japan years ago. Okay. Well. Then I, then I guess it was just the answers being a moron. Then. Oh, I mean, there were there were issues, but you know, these guys aren't the big time, so I'm not really going to criticize them. And the same thing with the some of the matches. You know, I didn't personally find them entertaining, but I'm going to criticize them because they're not big time. You know, I'll criticize NJPW and All Elite Wrestling and, you know, WWE and, and even Ring of Honor and Impact. I'll criticize them for the performances. But anybody in an independent circuit, they're going out there. They're trying to make a name for themselves. They're putting on hella shows. Every match, even that finals women's match, I found something to enjoy in it. Um, so I'm not going to criticize any of these guys. But, you know, there were definitely some issues in there. No, you know, the uh, <clears throat> professional wrestling is a lot like stand-up comedy where – where you go out there in front of small crowds and then, you know, increasing larger crowds, which are always trying to see what works. You know, you're trying to see like, you know, what works, what works in my repertoire? Where can I put this in? How can I build to a 10 minute match? How can I build to a 20 minute match? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. And so, it, I, so I think when you're watching shows like this, um, I think you really have to take that into account where these guys are, you know, are, are honing their craft still. Right, and there were a couple of moments where you're looking at it going, oh, they shouldn't have done that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you know what, I don't have a problem with it, the fact that they did that. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't have, but it's not the end of the world. Right. Where if a WWE guy had done that same thing, I'd be like, what the hell's wrong with him? He knows better. You know, I, I honestly, I think anyone who's a wrestling fan, whether you – Buy a shirt or not, like I know both Shane and I did, or you give to the GoFundMe, or you just watch this. 
if you're a wrestling fan, there's a lot to take out of this that you're not going to get in the big promotions. Including my favorite match on the card, which was the match involving the bear. Oh, my God. I was hoping that didn't come up. <laughs> oh, and I was hoping that wasn't your favorite match. I, I, I was afraid you were going to say that because I... <sighs> Where it had some strengths as far as like the comedy and the the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, what the fuck am I even doing? Why haven't I fast forwarded this? Oh, that's right. Rory Coyle is here and I have to see what he does. You didn't think it was great that they were that they were playing the whole thing like it was like it was an actual bear? I thought that was I thought I thought that was hysterical. I thought had I been there live, I would have been rolling on the ground laughing. Mm-hmm. The honey the honey spot was amazing. Um the fact that whoever that uh 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 Timberwolf guy was, um the guy in the I can't remember his name. I can't either. Um but you know who I'm talking about, the guy with the flannel and the, the guy who was supposed to be a lumberjack. Yep. The fact that he literally stole everybody's moves. Like he did the uh, Steve Austin uh, elbow drop from the middle rope. He did the Shawn Michaels tuning the band. He did the angle dro- angle slam right into the, you know, straps down the angle and the ankle lock. Um, you know, he, he perfectly did did everybody's moves and the whole spot in the middle where he was playing dead was phenomenal. I loved it. I laughed out loud, but at the same time, I'm like, man, how did this ever make the broadcast? You can't tell me there was <laughs> another was awesome, better man. show. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was know? fun. I will admit it was really fun and I really did enjoy it. But at the same time, I'm like, Jesus, this is, it's almost unwatchable, but it's fun at the same time. Well, you know, the, the, the great thing was like, you know, when, when he was first bringing the bear down to the cage, it was so dark and he, and the guy, and the, and the, the guy in the, moving in there was so fast. I was like, wait, that's not a bear. That's like an orangutan or something. What the hell See, I saw, <laughs> I saw his face right from the beginning. So okay. I knew it was, I, I knew as soon as he walked back there, they, they, I, it, I don't know if it was a camera shot problem or something, but they really, they showed it was a guy in a bear suit right from the start. So I, I knew it right from the start and I'm watching this going, what the fuck? <laughs> and then that beekeeper guy coming down, what, the, what was that all about? And, and I'm watching as, of course I'm watching this at, you know, with my kid in bed next to me. So I don't have the volume too loud. So I actually didn't get to hear what the beekeeper guy was saying, mm-hmm. but it sounded to me like he was an activist who was trying to keep this unsensible cruelty from happening? Yes, I think that was. I think that's what it was as well. Yeah, he he was not well mic'd. You could really you could really understand what the hell he was saying. Well, even Rory Coyle throughout that was not really well mic'd, and I'm not going to lie. It was nice to see Rory Coyle again, mm-hmm. and to, and to see that he's keeping up with the sick boy and the um the VHS tape gimmick. That was nice to see. Yeah, I don't know. I, I loved, you know, that match was just, to me, like, what, an example of what you can do in pro wrestling that you can't do in any other art form. You know, I mean, this, well, this, would not, this would not have worked as a short film. It would not have worked as um, a painting or a book or, you know, anything like that. It, it, it could only have worked in professional wrestling. It can only work in independent professional wrestling. Like, you and I did that whole wrestling thing, um, you know, 
our own version of Wrestle Kingdom or WrestleMania, whatever we called it. And I had that one independent match, which was them doing cartwheels and, and jumping jacks and, you know, all that stuff in the middle of the match. And I remember saying to you, you're like, this is one of your matches. I'm like, dude, this can only happen in independent wrestling. It has to be a part of the card. And you ultimately agreed to me after you watched, agreed with me after you watched it. But this kind of thing, it was like, this is why independent wrestling needs to survive because we're never going to see a bear versus lumberjack with Rory Coyle and honey and you know, this nonsense happen anywhere that would never get over on AEW. Definitely not in Japan. Um, WWF ring of honor impact might be the closest something like I could get over on, but at the same point, I could see them being booed out of the and critics just destroying them. But an independent wrestling promotion can do something like that and make it work, and they did. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it, it's it's it was joyful to me, and I and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, it was it was definitely fun. I will give it that. Was it great wrestling? Not even close. But the whole presentation. Oh, I did see it, it was great wrestling. I said it was my favorite thing. I said, I said it was my favorite match on the card. The whole presentation, the the way that the bear and this lumberjack played off each other, the the Roy Coyle in, intervention, the beekeeper, the fact that at the end this guy was actually cutting a promo to entice the bear to come and be his sidekick, and they're going to have a bear on the pole match. I'm just I'm intrigued by the whole thing, and it was entertaining from start to finish. It was cringeworthy, but it was entertaining. Well, hopefully you liked my my second favorite match of the night better than which I which was Amazing Red versus Ricochet. That was, I, I, I thought that was an actual balls out athletic display by those two. To steal a um, you know phrase I overused with phenomenal, I'm going to say that match was amazing. That was my <laughs> yes. that was absolutely my favorite match on the night. Yeah, and it, it out, just it was, it was outstanding. I mean. It, for, for so many years, like, you know, watching Impact um, or TNA at the time, I suppose, you know, I enjoyed Amazing Red, but I also thought he was overrated. In this match, I thought, you know, he has his veteran status and his abilities really shown through. And he, he's maybe the best I ever saw him was in this match. And you saw a lot of what made him amazing. Um, the fact that he, he was such an innovator with his offense. And you got a lot of that in it. Plus, you got Ricochet. And, you know, the whole world went crazy about this time between the Osprey-Ricochet match because they were about the same time. It was 2016, 15, something there. Um, and you saw the whole world go crazy over Osprey-Ricochet. They should have been going crazy over this match. This was by far my favorite match of the entire night, and I'm glad you actually said that because I agreed with it. it. It was easily – I loved Osprey versus done i love the bucks and omega you know i loved um a lot of the stuff on this but this match was by far my favorite of the two nights yeah mine too i i mean as far as as far as pure wrestling this was my favorite um and and yeah i mean i think the reason that, that people did not go crazy on this match is simply it did not take place in a big enough promotion i mean this this was an amazing reds promotion house of glory you know so it's not as well known um, you know, it didn't, it didn't have that, that platform that new Japan pro wrestling has. Yeah. But that match with Osprey and, uh, Ricochet happened on independence too. No, it happened in new Japan. Was it? I thought, I thought that was an independent show. 
I'm I thought the original. I thought the sure it was New Japan. I thought the original one happened on uh, on an independent show, and then the remake happened in New Japan. And I know I was critical about the remake because they were trying to recreate the same magic, and it wasn't. It was falling kind of short. I could be wrong about that then, but but yeah, regardless, I mean, I, I mean, I, I thought Osprey, I thought Osprey and and Ricochet was fantastic as well. I'm not I'm not going to say that would not should, should not have caught, caught, the, caught the attention. I you know, but I I do think that. That was not an example of what the two would actually would do in a, in, a, in another match against each other because of all, of all the, like the you know the the extreme selling and the swearing and all that kind of stuff. It's not stuff you that you've heard from those guys since then. Well, and that wasn't a, a WWE ricochet either. Right. Yeah, and you could tell that in his performance that he was not he's not the same guy that he was when he was, uh, you know, in Lucha Underground and when he was in New Japan and on the Independence. He is now kind of a tamed down version of what he was, but that's the WWE formula too. One more thing about the, about this uh, show, and, I, and I'm not saying I have nothing else to say about it, but I mean, can we get rid of the both these guys chant? Yes, please, dear God. That was in what the last three matches. Yes. I, even be, even before Sammy and ACH got started, they were chanting both these guys. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just it's just. Uh, I guess it's where we're at in pro wrestling right now, where people are, like pay attention to the, you know, to the, the wrestler more than to their character. But you know, I mean, that's it. Really takes away from the storyline when you're chanting for both these guys. I mean, I kind of got it in the ACH Sammy, and this was weird because Sammy was really playing kind of, he was more of a face than a heel. You know, and ACH was clearly the face. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got it a little bit in that match, but in some of the other matches, I was like, "Okay, I'm an enough, enough. Right. You don't need a chant just to chant." No, you don't have to, and that's that's what it seems like they they want to, you know. Um, and and you know, for most of the night, you know, I was impressed at the things that they weren't doing, like the stupid, uh, um. Like I you know, there's no, there wasn't really any dueling chance. Like you know, that like that was one thing about the about the, that really you know impressed with the sophistication of the crowd and the in the Don Osprey one is they cheer they cheered for they cheered for each guy throughout of it. Right. There was never but a never. dueling chant like like Osprey done Osprey done. You know, it was there they was they, they would cheer, they would really cheer for you know whoever was behind basically. The only time they really did the dueling chant was during the um, Callahan ACH match. There was a lot of let's go ACH Sammy Callahan. Right, exactly. But other than that, other than that match, which again I was a little more lenient because they were kind of both playing the babyface. Um, outside of that match, I was okay with it. The one thing that really stuck out from that match, though, was they announced uh, um, Sammy as being from uh, New Jersey, and okay. he was. Yeah, and he was in the mid- he was in the middle of his OVE worldwide Desperado Callahan Death Machine thing. So the fact that they announced him from uh, New Jersey really kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, that's weird. That was uh, okay, guys. Come on, he's from Ohio now. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Outside of that, I there was I I. I really liked that match, but at the same time, I was like, it just went on about five to six minutes too long. 
Um, the finisher kickouts got a little bit too much. The fact that he kicked out of ACH's finisher and only to succumb to ACH's finisher two minutes later was a little rough. Um, but, you know, the match itself. Wait, wait, what do you mean? Sammy Callahan won that match. Did, no, I thought ACH won it. No, he won it with a small package. Wow, I lost something somewhere. Yeah. I could have swore ACH won that. No, Call- no Callahan rolled him up to, for the victory. The crowd maybe it, the shit out of it. Maybe it was a different maybe it was a different match then where I know that uh, somebody hit a finisher and then 30 seconds later hit the finisher for the win. Um, don't remember that happening. I I Maybe I did, I, did, I did think that the, the Pete Dunn, the Pete Dunn, will Osprey match that, that Pete Dunn's victory kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, Osprey, Osprey hit him with like five straight moves, and then um, Pete Dunn, 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 Dunn caught him in the in the os cutter and turned him into turned it into the um, bitter, bitter end. end for the victory. Yeah, that was a little odd. I, all in all, though, you know, if you're a fan of, of wrestling, period, it doesn't even have to be independent wrestling. If you can't get enjoyment out of these two nights of uh, of indie mania, I feel sorry for you. I really do. The only thing that I warn you about on, on night two is you'll have to watch a Kanji match. We're going to watch the whole thing straight through. I didn't mind that. You you said I, I didn't miss her, and I was like, what, do you, what are you talking about? And then you know, when I watched the match, I was like, you know what? This might be the best I've ever seen Kanji. Kanji, Kanji, whatever. It's still Kanji. Uh, it doesn't matter how good she was. Yeah, Kanji. but she was actually fairly decent in that match. So I, I didn't hate it as much as you did. <laughs> but it was still, it was still, yeah, you're right. It was still Kanji. <laughs> you know, I, I, I almost, I almost texted, texted you after that match was over um, when I was watching it that at least she lost, but I didn't want to spoil it for you. Oh, I kind of figured she would as soon as I saw who she was going up against. Oh, because she was. We just saw her some, in that in that other show, didn't we? Sorry. Which, which other show? Wasn't her, wasn't her opponent also part of the Wrestle Talk? No, no fans Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Okay. Yeah, and I enjoyed her in that too. I mean, her opponent, I really enjoyed. Her, I can see where you're. You've got some animosity there. I don't have animosity. I just, I just felt like she came in like she was a big deal. In, um, I guess, I guess I just had a problem with Defiant more than her. But she just came uh, in like, like they, they, when she came in there. Um, my kid is filling a Minecraft map full of dynamite, and he's gonna blow the entire map up. I don't care. <laughs> I, um, I'm just like, what I, the hell is happening? Like Defiant was treating her, was treating her this like the second coming. No. Yeah, they really did overdo it with her, and they they threw her into a spot where she didn't deserve it, and really didn't have the work ethic. And then, to make things even worse, they kind of made her go away with the whole thing of "oh, I don't deserve this." Right. So it really did kind of bring her down a little more than she probably should have been. Um, I don't think she's horrible, but at the same time, I can see a lot better, and I don't hate anybody for not liking her. Fair enough. I think but in yeah, a few. But, 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 I, but I mostly in, echo your sentiment that uh, you know any any fan of indie pro of pro wrestling in general, and definitely independent pro wrestling, would enjoy these two nights of wrestling. 
yeah, they were, there was some really good fun stuff. Um, you know, the, and anything that had Osprey in it was amazing. Um, the ZSJ Shibata stuff was amazing. Uh, I loved, you know, that Dowie James Osprey match still might be one of my favorites of the year. Uh, you know, I, I even like the Sammy versus ACH stuff for the most part. Um, the Harlem, and I can't remember his name against again against whoever it was was really really good until that overbooked ending. There was a lot of really really fun stuff to like about this, and as much as from a purist wrestling mind, I hated the Rory Coyle Bear versus Lumberjack thing, but at the same time, the only place you're ever going to see anything like that is in independent wrestling. So you need to take that with the grain of salt, realize that it's all enjoyment and fun and, and know what you're getting into and just fucking enjoy it. Exactly. It might've been a, it might've been a little too much. It might've been a little hysterical at times, but the ultimate reality is, is it was fun to watch. It was fun to um, see what they were going to do next. And it was just, it was just fun, really fun, and I want to see the bear on a pole match. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, that was really interesting. It's like, how are you going to put a bear on top of a pole? I, I just want to. You can do a dirty bag on a pole and put anything on a pole. Right, exactly. I was just going to say that. we got Judy Bagwell <laughs> up there. How can we can get a bear up there? The chant, the fucking bear chant, the just everybody chanting "fucking bear, fucking bear" was one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Absolutely. All right. Um, so I we got to keep... I was just checking my order to see if, if I had any information about when my shirt was shipping, but I still have not received that yet. So. Yeah, I haven't either, and I don't even have a shipment date, so I'm a little disappointed, but I'm going to wear that with pride when I get it. Yes. Um, the one thing that, uh, you know, we're kind of running low on time here. We spent, I uh, honestly, we spent a little more time on Indie Mania Night 2 than I thought we would, but last week... Someone got a little emotional about the Benoit thing, Sorry, and man. I I watched. Well, it's not your fault. Uh, you know, I watched I the know, end. I was of kidding. <laughs> oh well, then fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched the end of it. My feeling remains the same. So, if you want to hear my take on on um, the Chris Benoit tragedy and everything that happened, what I said last week, even watching the last twenty minutes of it, remains the same. Period. End of story. I think there were so many things that could have happened that should that didn't happen that it actually makes me more sad for the individual. And I will still watch every single Chris Benoit match the exact same way I've always watched them. I'll enjoy the artist, even though I don't necessarily. I'll enjoy the art, even though I don't necessarily appreciate the artist for what he did. Yeah, and it's not gonna, I'm not going to go out of my way to avoid them or anything. It's just that, you know, I'm, I, but I very, I very, very, I very rarely go back and watch an old WCW or WWE show anyway. You know, I'm, I'm much more focused on the stuff that we're covering. After I watch some, after what I watched today, I kind of want to go back and watch a few things. Just because they were, I know, so I probably won't. I'm not saying I don't want to. I'm saying I won't. Anyway, um, we did want to talk about something last week that we never got to. 
And that is our wrestlers of the year so far this year. Yes, but it's not necessarily our wrestlers of the year as much as the wrestlers that we've watched this year. Just because right. it's been such a weird year for pro wrestling, you know. And, uh, and you I, know, and, I'm, and, and, I'm going to blame you. Just out of, out of retrospect, I'm going to blame you for this whole virus thing. Because I remember in December of last year, you said, hey, I have this great idea for what we could do next year. Instead of going after our wrestlers of the year, maybe we should go after the best wrestlers that we've seen this year. Yeah. That's on you, Buttercup. <laughs> Buttercup? <laughs> you set this virus in motion by even bringing that idea up. Well, I said it in the context of the fact that, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite authors is Stephen King. And for, and I'm not sure if he still does it or not, but, but for a long time, for Inter Inter Entertainment Weekly, he would do an annual thing about the best books that he read this year. And not the best books that he read that were written this year, just the best books he had, had you know, he'd had a chance to, to read that year. And I got, well, I got a lot of great ideas from those lists. So, um, of course, you don't, you don't know how to read, so you're not, you wouldn't care about that. But, right, exactly. But, but it's kind of the same concept where, you know, we're watching so much retro stuff anyway that why are we limiting it to, you know, and, and there's, so many, there's, so many, there's so many things that we, that, we, that we have never seen before. Like, for instance, that Terry Funk versus... Um, um, Dusty, was it Dusty Shane Douglas, that three-way. No, no, between I thinking, no. I was thinking that, that Terry Funk versus uh, Harley Race match that we watched last year. Oh yeah, yeah, that's was, right. Was absolutely fantastic. You know, it, it belonged in our list of, in our top ten list, really. You know, right. So. Well, and it did, and and I didn't disagree with you because simply because of the retro shows we do the um eventually we're going to bring back that des desert island in fact i think we might want to take a break since i'm going to be renewing ring of honor anyway um because well i just have a hard time not we're, we might want to bring back the uh desert island series at least for our one or two segments this year um but there's so many matches that you and i and so many artists that you and i watch that aren't in the current scope that it's not a bad idea to do something like that anyway. Right. You um, know, maybe do, maybe do two lists. Hey, this was the best wrestler of the year in 2020, but this was the best wrestler I saw this year. And you know, the, the crazy thing is that very rarely in the course of professional wrestling, has the same guy been the best wrestler two consecutive years? We have one on there right now, on the yeah, way right, right now. And right now, I don't think there's any question that Will Ospreay is still the best wrestler on the planet. I think the last time that really happened might have been Austin in the late 90s. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I could make an argument for Edge in the late 2000s, but it's been a long time. Since we can look back at I me, mean, even Okada. But when you reach that pinnacle, too, it was a lot like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan could have been named the MVP every single year, all the time, every year, no question. But you couldn't do it because that's just too easy. And when you look at a guy like Okada or AJ Styles, you know, from 2012 to 2016, you could have literally named him the, the best wrestler in the world for four straight years. 
Okada could have easily taken it from, you know, 15 and 16 and Omega since. But at the same time, you've got to kind of go, okay, yeah, we've seen that. What else can you do? Yeah, I mean, I could probably make an argument that Nigel McGuinness was the best wrestler on the 2008 to 2009. But then, but then you also had Randy Orton's breakout performance in 2009 as well. Right, you had Randy Orton in 2009, probably 2010 and 2011. You could have had Edge. Edge easily could have been in that conversation, too, around that time. Because he was putting out classic after classic, too. Well, 2011 is when he got injured. Right, okay. Yeah, WrestleMania. But even that WrestleMania run before that, he was putting out great, great stuff that could have... You seriously could have made an argument that that first three months of the year, he he did enough to warrant that position. Wow. I cannot believe you just made that argument because do you know how many people out there have ragged on that base run by Edge? Really? His his elimination chamber match, the fact that he, uh, you know, his performance in the Royal Rumble, the WrestleMania match itself, everything he did on SmackDown. I don't know how you can rig on that. Because I just think that there's people out there that refuse to see how good Edge could be as a babyface. He was amazing. That might have been my favorite run of his. That could be why I took it so hard when he retired. I'd have to say my favorite run of his was it was a series against The Undertaker. You know that God that, that was good too. That five or six month span where they where they where they were, where they were trading victories back and forth and facing up against each other and had that amazing storyline you know that that's my favorite edge you can't forego his team x stuff though either yes i can no i mean maybe his in-ring performance but his character development during that time the team Eck and the enc the five second poses the the backstage segments with foley that stuff was amazing yeah, it was. But as far as an actual dramatic performance, but remember, I'm always I'm always going to enjoy. Bear aside, I'm always going to enjoy drama more than comedy. I don't know his segment. I think it was like 2001. They had a backstage segment with him and Christian, and he was uh, talking about the greatest thing about his wardrobe and the best thing about his boots is the name on the side of them. And Christian just looks over. He's like, "Huh, I never noticed that before." Still, hands down, one of the best segments I've ever seen on on any any wrestling TV. What did it say on the side of him? Just it said Edge. Oh. <laughs> it was just that whole arrogant. That was when they were doing the kazoo in the back, and Edge is screaming, um, uh, "You think you know me? You think you know me?" Or you know, whatever Triple H's theme music was at the time. As long as as long as you're on. The subject, you know, I had mentioned to you last week that I had a dark horse that I think a lot of people would just be like, eh? but I would say this, but I mean, right now in WWE for me, Edge is the guy. You know, you think both, so? Bo- both of the matches that I've seen from him this year have been absolutely lights out. Um, the, the match against Randy Orton to me was a five star performance. Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. And, and, and then, and then I, and then you know, the Royal Rumble was pro- was probably my second favorite WWE match of the year. And he and he was a starring role in that one, so so to me. But it's hard. So, so it's to hard me, to not disagree. It's hard to disagree with that simply because we haven't seen much. Mm-hmm. But I think the Edge performance was good. 
it was a great feel good moment, but I still have to give, I mean, that performance in that Royal Rumble, it comes down to two people, Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. I think the first half of it goes to goes to Brock Lesnar, but I'm not going to say the, I'm not going to say the rest of it goes to Drew McIntyre because the second half was an was an ensemble performance. Right, but it still ultimately came down to Drew McIntyre. Sure, but I'm saying that Edge was a participant in my two favorite matches of the year. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. <coughs> and I can't disagree. I mean, I mean, if, I mean, if Drew McIntyre had that great match at the Rumble and had a fantastic match against Brock Lesnar, I'd be saying the same thing about him. But he did not do that at WrestleMania. That's a good point. And you're right. I mean, I got that match sucked. And you're right. And you're right. In the you're right in that are you know that I have a limited set to choose from in my WWE matches I've watched. But, um, but you know I've seen matches involving AJ Styles. I saw the Elimination Chamber matches. I've seen I've seen the NXT performances, and still, and I saw every match at WrestleMania, and and uh, still for actual wrestling, I would say that Edge is my WWE performer of the year. Is it just me, or does the um, elimination or the WrestleMania match against The Undertaker kind of bring down AJ Styles for you this year? Um, I haven't been high on AJ Styles' performances for a long time. He still is the. He's not. He's not that A plus every time out worker like he was three or four years ago, but he's still giving you B plus A performances. Every match, his side, I I felt like his WrestleMania match was a C minus to a D performance at the best. He had great heel work, which is the only thing that kept it from being lower. But his his actual, I mean, like I said, I've said this to you before, and I said it, I've said it on the air. You take a, and in my tweets, you take away the three things that make AJ AJ. You took away the ring, you took away the turnbuckles and ropes, and you took away his, his athleticism. After that, all you have is a guy kicking and punching somebody. Yeah, which is why I don't think it's fair to judge him for that for that match. You know, I mean, oh, but 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 what I but I, what I'm saying is that I w- I don't think he's been the same AJ Styles since like WrestleMania 35. You know, I mean, 35 I was, was against Shane, right? Uh, no, against Shinsuke. Okay, yeah, you're right. And so. that was kind of a not-so-great performance by the two when you look at their other work that they did in Japan. And even the year before that, when he was facing up against Kevin Owens, I still, you know, I didn't think that was that great either. So, I mean, really, the best we saw in AJ Styles was, was in 2016 when he was the wrestler of the, of the, of the company, you know. Um, yeah, his year long run. I mean, he's he's aging. You know, he had to, he had to reformulate his style. He's just not, and you know, character wise, and my <laughs> has gotten better. But as as far as an in ring performer, um, he's you know, definitely other, degraded. Other, other than a couple of matches here and there, like against Daniel Bryan, and then that that uh, that last man standing match against Shinsuke that I think you've never even watched. No, I haven't. Um, I you know, to me, his best stuff was prior to 2017. Yeah, and 2016 was his year-long run with the belt. Uh, unfortunately, that had the James Ellsworth turtleneck chin guy uh, involved in it. Um, but he still had a really good run during that year. 
Uh, I think probably the best AJ was 2012 to 2016. After that, he's lost a step. He's kind of not been able to to be AJ, which even at what is he 43, athleticism is still his his bright point. And when he can't bring that to the ring, which he can't at his accelerated age and the fact that the storylines with The Undertaker didn't demand it, it was really hard to hard to watch. It was hard. Well, and, and let's quantify that a little bit. I, I think he can't bring it in a WWE ring. I think he could in Ring of Honor or he could in some of the in, the, in House of Glory just because of the fact that there's that there's there's less of a space to work in. You know, when, yeah. it, when it's when it's 14 by 14 True. or 18 by 18, you know, you can you can still pull off the stuff he used to do. But when he's when he's got to go 20 by 20, he really only one year that he was in that, that size of a ring, you know. You know, and the fact that he um, to me right now, he is kind of like Ric Flair in TNA where he's that icon. He's still that guy that can be able to bring it. But he needs the perfect feud, the perfect situation, the perfect uh, opponent to do it mm-hmm. and it, it's sad to me it, it's really sad because this is a guy that i've been in love with since 2002 right. he was my marty Skrull before marty Skrull even existed yeah and and for me it was him and loki at the same time then when loki kind of became kawal then aj took over completely right yeah and i mean you look at some of the stuff aj did and, and someday we'll do the asylum years too but when you look at AJ from 07, I don't know that there's anyone better, no matter what he did. His stuff with Christian Cage is still some of my favorite stuff. Speaking of TNA and the Asylum years, we had talked about doing Bound for Glory 2005 next. But I also saw that, that Impact is doing their Rebellion pay-per-view in, in segments instead of doing it on a pay-per-view. They're doing it on their regular Impact show. Night one is tonight and night two is next. Tuesday, so I think we should cover that in the next couple of weeks instead. Is that going to be on the app? Yep. Because I won't be able to watch it on Access, but... No, it should be on the app, because they're doing, they're doing it as their Impact episodes. So you want to do Night 1 next week, then? Yeah. And Night 1 is capped off by Sammy, again, this time taking on uh, the great Ken Shamrock. Ugh. I just... Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. And then we we also have Ace Austin taking on Willie Mack for the exhibition. So anyway, quickly, want to run down the five five wrestlers of the year? We kind of pinpointed Osprey as our number one, but who you got rounding out that top five? Um, okay, so again, this is not for the 2020. This is just who I've seen wrestle this year. So number two is Eddie Edwards. Number, yep. Number number three is Davey Richards. Eve. Um, did you say Eve? Yes. That's what that means. Um, honestly, I kind of I kind of lost my list. I don't remember. I'm trying to think off the top of my head now. Um, number four. I don't know. Why don't you give? Don't you go with yours? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember not mine now. I'm gonna go Osprey and Edwards. And then probably uh, ZSJ. Uh, I still have to put Takahashi in there. And uh, then probably Davey Richards at number five. Okay. So, yeah, so ZSJ would be my number four, and then I think Roderick Strong would be number, my number five. Okay. Oh, geez, Roderick Strong is in there, too. 
that's a tough one. But Takahashi had such great matches against Dragon Lee and against uh, Osprey. It's hard for me not to include him. But man, Roderick Strong was was really good there too. In all the uh, Ring of Honor stuff we watched, I think the fact that he wasn't in their latest Best in the World might be kind of dimming me on him a little bit. But he was so good in those feuds, in in everything he did up until then. Yeah, and then he's also been great in NXT this year, too. Yeah, he has. His feud against Velvet Dream, or Velveteen Dream, I, I can't stand Velveteen Dream, but his feud against him is one of the best I've seen. Yeah, it's been great. And uh, let's see, uh, you know, the other, other guys that we had... Um, you know, other guys we talked about were, you know, um, I mean, you 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 wanted to throw Sammy Guevara in the conversation, which I'm not going to do. But um, I just think he's you know, been, you know, we also with, got, you know, there's also Hangman, there's Kenny, there's Darby Allen, so things that are hurting Hangman is the fact that he hasn't been around for two months. Um, Sammy, even the you take out these last two weeks with the comedy bullshit he's done, I think he's had a really strong year. But these last two matches have really kind of frowned me on him, especially last week, that I don't know if he'd be in my top ten again anymore. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's uh, just, it's frowned me so much on what I've seen. And then when you've seen, I mean, we've seen people like, Jesus, El Generico, Sami Zayn. You know, Sami Zayn's WrestleMania match was terrible. But the four matches we saw of him in, as El Generico in Ring of Honor have been outstanding. Yeah, you know, and I think the other fun thing about what doing covering Ring of Honor at the same time that I'm watching Impact is seeing the seeing the improvement of uh, Michael Elgin, you know, over that time. Michael Elgin is another guy who I would strongly consider because he had great matches against uh, Generico. He had great matches. Uh, he had. He even had a good match against Tommaso Ciampa before Tommaso Ciampa was anything to talk about. Hmm. You know, and then he had that great series against, you know, and and I had my issues with the series, but that doesn't take away from the performance of both Eddie and Michael. I thought, you know, given what they did, as much as I was a downer on the series because I didn't feel like the series showcased what they can both do, they both had great performances. So, you know, that Eddie Edwards, Michael Elgin series is actually elevating both these guys. And, and just, and just to be, um, more of a, of a Renaissance man, I suppose I'll, I'm also going to throw in a woman here and, and it's not going to be tight and it's not going to be uh, Tessa Blanchard. It's not Rhea Ripley. It's not Charlotte. It's not even Shayna Baszler. It's Taya Valkyrie. She's been absolutely phenomenal. Everything I've seen her in this year. Yeah, that's true too. It really is, and so is um, Ace Austin. Yep. Ace Austin is another guy that gets strong consideration. And keep in mind, guys, a lot of this stuff is we're looking at 2020, but we're also looking at, you know, we're watching 2011 Ring of Honor. We're watching these independent shows. We're watching, um, you know, other things in addition to 2020. So, yeah, Roger Strong is going to get a nod because of the the performance he had in 2011. So is Eddie Edwards, which is why Eddie Edwards is 
up there at number two is because, and for both of us, because he had a strong 2011, and then also he's done some great stuff in 2020 as well. Exactly. I mean, Jesus, he's, what, one of the top five or six matches all time in TNA? Impact? Yep, absolutely. And, and, and yours is my enlisting for sure. Right. So, you know, it's Osprey's clear number one because just literally everything I've seen from Will Osprey has been gold. You know, his stuff in, in New Japan, his stuff in uh, on this independent circuits, these um, one-offs that we saw, his match against B. Priestley even was up there. And he's like, everything Osprey does has been gold this year. Yeah, and then... Osprey has, has not done very much wrong over the last, I don't know, almost two solid years. Well, in, in 2020 alone, he's had three, six plus, or three five-plus star matches. I mean, since returning from the injury he had to his ribs in, like, a, what, June of 2017? He's, or t- June of 2018, he's been absolutely on fire. He's, I don't know if that rib injury changed him or not, but he's become such a much better storyteller over the last couple of years than he was. I mean, he used to be all about flips and everything, and now he's actually telling in-ring stories, which is something that, was missing from him before, but has really elevated his game now. Yeah, and you, and you know, that's and that's the same way we felt about the Young Bucks two years ago too. Yeah, that's true, Matt Jackson. Um, yeah, so you know, Osprey's number one, Edwards is number two, Richards number three, ZSJ number four, and Ryder Shaw number five. Yeah, and I still have Takahashi in there, so. Um, you know, my Roderick Strong might be number six, but Takahashi, uh, it, it could easily change if we keep if he if he keeps performing in these uh, retro shows that we're doing the way that he was, and on NXT against Velveteen Dream, uh, he could easily hit my top five. I want to I want to talk about one more thing briefly before we head off, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, so we've got. Everything up until up to Double or Nothing for AEW has now been taped. And then they got their pay-per-view coming up at Double or Nothing. And then who knows what they'll be doing after that. I mean, I'm assuming since Georgia now has decided to open the world, open their country to, or their state to everything, they'll be able to tape again at, um, at that Georgia facility. They, t- they taped these last few shows, and even if Florida isn't open up yet. Um, would it, does it make any sense to bring in the revolt before there's a crowd to cheer for them or to be surprised by them? Uh, please tell me they're not going by the revolt. Oh, I think the revolt is amazing. That's a great name for them. No, I don't like that at all. At all. I'm not why even the, sure I like... The revolting, the revolting against the last three years of being buried, the revolting against arresting, you know, the revolting against the idea that maybe they're washed up, the revolting against... Um, there's the stigma that's on them right now. I think what were their new names too? It was Cash, Cash and Wheeler and da- Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood. Dax Harwood. Okay. Um, yeah. I, no, I I don't think so. I think they've got some WWE money to live off of. Um, depending on how long this goes, I I think holding them off for a little bit is a good idea. Introduce them during a live crowd. I don't think this is a team that's going to lose anything from that. No, and 
to be clear, they haven't they haven't been signed anywhere yet, as far as as far as I'm aware. And I really hope that when they do get signed somewhere, we don't hear about it until we actually actually debut somewhere. You know? Last I heard was um, signing with both AEW and NWA. That's the last I heard as well. Which the only like we talked about this last week, the only people I want to see actually on the roster are Rusev and and I guess the Revolt, which I'm not a fan of that name, but whatever. <laughs> Um, you know, those are the only two acts I want to see actually in AEW. What was the, what was the name that I suggested for them? I'm trying to trying to think what that was. It wasn't that far off in the Revolt, though. No, but it was. It made a little more sense. I'm trying to find what I'm trying to find in our conversation here. Was it here or was it at work? It might. Oh, I was on probably on text. I think it's on text. Um, the other thing I want to get your thoughts on, because I think it's top of mind, and I have some real issues oh, with it. It was, it was the resurgence. Okay, that actually is a better name. <laughs> I don't like the revolt, but regardless, um, the one thing that one thing I did want to bring up, and it wasn't until you brought up the revolt that I actually thought about it. But did you see the plans for Money in the Bank? wrestle on top of the headquarters of WWE? No. To wrestle through the headquarters of WWE. They start on floor number one and fight their way up to the ladder at the top of Titan Towers. Oh, so it's like the old Tower of Doom in WCW? Except worse because it doesn't happen in just one ring. With with uh, collapsible platforms that people can fall through when you're getting slammed on. <laughs> I when I heard this thought, I, like, okay, they went out on a limb with the uh, edge and uh, rent RKO thing. A lot of that was done simply because nobody in the audience. It was kind of what we've always wanted a street fight or no holds barred match to be. You know the typical street fight and no holds barred match goes up into the up into the crowd, maybe goes to a backstage area, sometimes out into the uh, you know <clears throat> where the concessions are and everything, but ultimately always ends up in the ring. What we got out of Edge and uh, Edge and Orton was an actual street fight that just kind of went everywhere on in in the building. Now they're taking that to another level and they're saying, we're going to start on the, in the lobby of Titan towers and you have to fight up every fucking level until you get to the roof, then fight in the ring, then climb the ladder. Is it just me or is that a little too much? You know, can we expand on that idea a little bit? Like, like I think that it would work. It would have worked great, great. <laughs> it would have worked great if they had done it differently. Like, if they, like if they had had the qualifying matches taking place in different levels of the company, and then the actual ladder matches on the roof. You know, yeah, that, that, that would have been fine. That makes sense to me. But having an entire match we, where you're trying to fight your way to the top. I mean, what is it? It's going to be like a haunted house with like obstacles you have to try to. Is it like going to be like uh, one of those like. Like what was that Japanese show where, um, where you know you had to jump like a, like on wheels that were spinning and all that kind of crap, you know? Well, the only way this oh uh, Ninja Warrior, yeah, 
The only way this makes sense, the only way, is if 99% of the match is in the stairwell. Otherwise, it doesn't... I mean, there might be a spot where one guy takes an elevator up a flight of stairs. But ultimately, the first guy in any real sense of any kind of logical anything is the first guy who's standing on floor one is just going to take the elevator up to the top floor. (laughs) I mean, seriously. That's hilarious. While everybody chases him up, he's already in the ring. I this is not a this is not gonna go well. I can't see any scenario where this goes well. Well, you know, the good thing about it though is that unlike the ladder match that we saw at WrestleMania, they're not gonna have a crowd, they're not gonna even have an empty arena to play to. So it'll have to be more real in that sense. And honestly, you know, yes, after, but seriously, you know, and, and after and after last week, you know, talking about Gargano versus Champa, I said it's pretty much done with that complete company. And now it's got me intrigued to the point where I might actually have to wa- want to watch this money in the big ladder matches to see what see what they look like. You know, so they got, I, I don't got, know that I can that because none of it. It takes logic out of the window because the only way you're going to have a decent match is to have them fight on the lobby, and whoever's standing. At the end of that, just goes straight up the elevator to the top. And maybe, maybe, after he gets in the ring, he's winded so somebody can catch him. But ultimately, it's fighting up the stairwell just doesn't intrigue me at all. At all. What about the, th- what about the threat of somebody falling off the roof just like the giant did at uh, that paper against Hulk Hogan? Because it doesn't make sense. It does it logically it doesn't make sense. They're gonna be fighting up stairwells. That's the only way to make this even a match. And then it's gonna be fucking forty five minutes long of people fighting up stairwells because that's the only thing that makes logical sense. Who is going to go up up the second floor unless you have to grab a flag or something to, to progress to the next level? Who's going into floor number two or three or four? You're trying to get to the top of Titan Towers. Unless you have a reason to go into floor number two or three, it makes no sense. Yeah, maybe, like I said, maybe they'll have those some kind of obstacle course. Like maybe they'll block off like the elevator. Maybe the maybe there will be like you know blocks on each level where you have to like if you go to level one, you have to go to a different staircase for level two, and so on and so forth. It's the only way it's going to make sense. But from their initial pitch of starting on floor one and fighting your way up the towers, up up the tower to the top, to the roof, to be in a ring, to climb a ladder, it just, the, the way their initial pitch is really doesn't make sense. They're going to have to revamp this over the next couple of weeks. No, but you know, you know I mean, I really want to see if Hollow Cruz get thrown off the roof, you know, by Rey Mysterio, and then... Before Mysterio can climb the, come, climb the ladder to get the money in the bank, he's he's accosted by Daniel Bryan and whoever else is in that match. And, and at the end of the night, at the end of that match, the Spectre comes. The Spectre, which is Apollo Cruz, comes, 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 comes floating up onto the top of the roof and grabs the money in the bank. Dear God, please no. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad enough already. 
let's not include the specter. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, guys, um I think we've reached our pinnacle here. Um so make sure if you're listening on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, ring the notification bell. We do this live thing twice a week for sure. Um and uh, we try to throw in one to two extra ex- extra shows a month, which hopefully we'll be starting soon, as soon as my life uh, evens out a little bit. And, um, of course, our Patreon, patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. Go there. You can get a hold of all of our archives, everything we've done since 2014, plus the extra stuff we, we do. Uh, one of which we just did last week. Next one we're going to do next week, uh, which is a retrospect of the... What are you calling them? Sinclair years of Ring of Honor? The Sinclair of Honor. Sinclair of Honor, uh, which is basically 2011 and beyond. Um, not every show, but we're doing uh, trying to do the high points. Last one we did was Best in the World 2011, which was a great show. Um, and, of course, Twitter. I'm at Regi Co-op. He's at Zanman, L-O-P. Uh, use hashtag uh, ROH and hash, or I'm sorry, hashtag KOH and hashtag DAD. You can get a hold of everything we do on there. And make sure you, you tune into all the other LP radio shows. We'll be back with you tomorrow night with Dynamite After Dark. Last week we did an actual an experiment. We actually talked during the entire episode, kind of did running commentary on it. So give that a listen if you haven't if you haven't yet. Um, and then on Thursday night, Imp will be here with his LP radio adventure. On Friday. The WWF The Legacy Series continues. And then we'll be back with you next week to talk about night one of Impact's Rebellion. That's airing tonight on Access TV. And will be available on Impact Plus probably Friday. That's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff saying... Goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye. And good night. Bang!